pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to today's show. We're going to talk about a rare and mysterious disease of the immune system that can attack the nerves. It's called chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, or CIDP for short. It affects the peripheral nervous system, which are the nerves outside of the brain and spinal cord, and can lead to painful, stinging, needle-like sensations along with numbness and weakness. The cause is unknown, but it can be associated with HIV and lupus. Ellen Schechter, an award-winning writer, takes us through a time when she felt like her life was shattered by this painful, potentially fatal disease, and then tells us how she was able to forge a new life filled with personal discovery and success. Joining us will be neurologist and Johns Hopkins expert Dr. David Kornblath, who will shed light on this mysterious disorder and new methods of treatment. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Ellen Schechter is a writer, producer, and educator. She's written award-winning TV series for children and families, as well as children's books. The persistent pain that she began to experience erupted into chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, or CIDP. Her story is chronicled in her new book, Fierce Joy. Ellen, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. The title of your book is particularly evocative, Fierce Joy. Why did you choose that title? I realized I'd used that term several times in the book. And I felt this fierce joy of, of being alive. When I looked back into the book, I thought, well, that's really what the book is about. That even though I have this terrible, painful, debilitating disease, I can still live with this tremendous pleasure. Take us back to the time when you first began experiencing symptoms. Um, I first had this sort of buzzing numbness under my left inside ankle when I was carrying my second child, my daughter. And I told the obstetrician and he said it was probably that the baby was pressing on a nerve and not to worry about it. And I really just sort of couldn't get rid of it. And after that, that buzzing numbness sort of spread along the bottom of my left foot and up my left leg. And I started getting these shooting pains in my fingers felt like I was 
putting my fingers into electric socket. And then I was having this like Christmas bulb light flashing in my left eye. I decided I had to do something about it. So my internist sent me immediately to a neurologist who drew my pain on an outline of a human body. And she said, all of the things you're describing follow the nerve roots in your body. And to me, they add up to a picture of some kind of neurological disease. Ellen, how long did it take before you were diagnosed? Almost two years. I didn't say anything while they were crawling around my body because I I think I was afraid to get a diagnosis, but I was also afraid for somebody to tell me I was crazy. That's a long time. And Ellen, how did they make the diagnosis? Well, they uh, had a nerve muscle biopsy. And what was determined to be the cause? My neurologist wasn't sure what to call it. She sent me to a rheumatologist who said it was definitely lupus. And eventually, a year or two later, I went to another rheumatologist, and he's the one who who called it CIDP. So, Ellen, was it lupus that was causing the CIDP or, or something else? From the very beginning, they said it was an autoimmune disease. And I said, well, how do you know that? And they said, well, they can see the damage that's being inflicted by... Um, autoimmune antibodies. They said, we don't see the perpetrator, but we see the damage. We're going to treat it as an autoimmune neuropathic disease. What kind of painful sensations were you experiencing? I felt like little demons were sticking hot needles all over my legs and and hands and arms, the tips of my toes and fingers up my arms uh, and legs. And eventually, you know, I felt like I was being stuck with hot pins and needles. I felt like I was getting electric shocks. Rockets were going up my fingers into my arms. Went across my the left side of my face, my trigeminal nerve. So it went to my eye, to my lip, to my chin. I mean, when I was really bad, I had it just about everywhere. It sounds awful. It was awful. There was like base neuropathic pain in my feet and my in my legs and my arms. And then when I would get really sick, all of these added things would come. But I felt, and I still feel, um, this sort of basic neuropathic pain in my arms and my, and my legs. You know, I have patients who tell me that pain has completely destroyed their lives. Did that happen to you? I never wanted to give in to it. I always tried to push through it. I had wonderful work that I loved doing. So I just pushed and pushed. And it wasn't until I was in so much pain that I couldn't function. And so I had to give in to it. Well, at the same time, it sounds like you had a lot of courage and determination to get through it before you gave in. When we come back, we'll talk to Ellen about how she felt when the diagnosis of CIDP was made. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. And we're back. Ellen, once the diagnosis of CIDP was made, how did you feel? I mean, were you, were you bitter? Were you surprised? Even when the doctor said, well, you have a disease, you know, when she got the biopsy results back, I felt an enormous sense of relief. 
And I know a lot of people who have had trouble getting diagnoses who felt the same way. They could put a name to something in their body. Yes, my patients will say the same thing. You mentioned earlier that you never stopped trying, that you never wanted to give in to it. At the same time, can you describe when the pain just simply overwhelmed you? I worked at Bank Street College, which was six blocks from my home, and my children went to their demonstration school. Walking that six blocks and going into my office, I would have to close the door, lie down on the floor, and cry from the pain before I could sit up and go to work, get to work. And it got to the point where I just couldn't do it anymore. And that was a very dark time of my life. How did you get out of that dark time? I mean, what did you do to overcome it? Well, I stopped working. I couldn't get out of bed. I had double vision. I couldn't do anything. After a while, I kind of went on the ceiling and looked down at myself and said, you know, you can't keep doing this. You have to find a reason to get out of this bed. I always had this metaphor that any wall had a door in it. And then I had to find a door in this wall and get out of bed and go through it. So I would decide every day that I would do one thing that would make me feel happy. I just was determined to do something. And then, Ellen, what did you do? I mean, which therapies did you try? Things like intravenous immunoglobulin, IVIG, or or steroids? Well, we started with um, 1,000 milligrams of IV steroids for three days a month and it didn't do anything. Then I took methotrexate by mouth, and that wasn't enough, so I learned how to inject it. And then I did IVIG for almost three years, but I kept getting aseptic meningitis, so that was the end of that. And did they help with the pain? A little. Enbrel and Humira reduced the pain and the disability. Enbrel for about two years, and then Humira for about three years. And then they would stop working. Once they stopped working, what did you do to make your life manageable and the pain controlled? Anybody who has CIDP or any kind of neuropathic pain should find their way to the local pain management center. And I have to tell you that they gave me my body back. They have so many ways of dealing with pain. This is what's saving my life. That's fantastic to hear. Tell us what you're using now that has restored your life. I take to pyramate. I take something called meprotoline. I wear a duragesic patch. Occasionally, I take oxycodone. I go to the pool two or three times a week, and that really helped me get stronger. I'm glad to hear that. I like the quotation in your book by Joseph Campbell. It says, Find a place inside where there's joy, and the joy will burn out the pain. How have you burned out the pain? By writing about it, by taking possession of pain, by describing it in words, by singing, by praying, by jumping around in the pool in the lovely warm water, just by enjoying life, by fierce joy, by loving my family. You must look at everything as a gift. I think that's a way to find joy. And that's a beautiful thought. Ellen, CIPD rarely causes death, but would you, were you ever afraid of dying? I, I'm more afraid of what could happen before I die. Now that I'm not afraid that my pain won't be treated, I'm just not afraid of dying. You know, I, I'm really glad to hear that. Ellen, how has CIPD influenced the scope of your life? The circumference of my life is smaller, but I would say it's still rich, and I love it. I love my life. I read a lot. I travel. We take uh, trips to Asia. We plan them so that I can rest. You know, we've been to Bhutan. We've been to Thailand. We've been to Tibet, China. 
My husband has allowed me to live this rich life, and the medications have really allowed me to live a life that's that's very rich and full. And finally, what message of hope do you have for those suffering from CIDP and who feel like the pain will just never end? If you come to understand that pain medication will free you as much as you can be freed from the pain and try to understand that uh, it doesn't make you a coward, it doesn't take away your ability to think, it doesn't do very much at all except free you to be more comfortable, to be with your family, to do the things that you love to do. Find your way to a pain management clinic. You will find that there are so many ways that they can help you with your pain that you haven't ever heard of and see which ones work for you. That's really what gave me my body back. And it really sounds like you've done just that. Ellen, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on Aches and Games. Thank you so much. Joining us next will be neurologist and Johns Hopkins expert, Dr. David Kornblath. He'll shed light on this mysterious disorder and new methods of treatment. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Pentech Health, one of the nation's largest pharmacy and nursing companies, dedicated solely to providing in-home care for patients with implanted pumps used for the treatment of severe pain or spasticity. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. We're talking about chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, which is an autoimmune disease that attacks the nervous system. Dr. David Kornblath is a professor of neurology at the Johns Hopkins Hospital. His expertise focuses on neuromuscular diseases with a special emphasis on peripheral neuropathies like CIDP, ALS, and Guillain-Barre syndrome. Dr. Kornblath, welcome to Aches and Gains. Good morning. How are you? Chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, or CIDP, is a mouthful. Can you break it down for us? I mean, what is it? This is one of the chronic neuropathies that is inflammatory and considered autoimmune in character. Most patients with this will have motor and sensory disturbance that usually begins in the feet and progresses proximally toward the trunk then goes to the hands associated with significant weakness. Most people with this will lose their reflexes and have an elevated spinal fluid protein. The main diagnostic test will be nerve conductions in most people. What's the demyelinating aspect of it? That means that the primary autoimmune attack is on the insulation of nerve fibers, which is the myelin. So the autoimmune attack goes and attacks the myelin and causes the uh, impulse transmission along the nerve fibers not to work, sort of like a short circuit in a home electrical system. In almost all cases, this is what we call symmetric. That is, it's the same on the right and on the left. David, where in the body and, and how often do patients experience pain? Most patients who experience pain will usually have it in the feet. I don't know that anybody's looked at it specifically. I think it's more common toward the end, but you can get neuropathic pain anywhere along probably 50 to 70% of people. Wow, that's pretty high. The diagnosis seems mysterious and pretty challenging. I mean, how, how is it diagnosed today? Well, usually these um, individuals will come and see a general physician and then quickly make their way to a neurologist. Um, and it is the combination of a long course, the symmetry, 
the loss of reflexes, and then the main diagnostic tool today are nerve conductions and EMG. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Kornblath about how those main diagnostic tests, those electrophysiology tests or EMG nerve conduction studies, actually prove that someone has CIDP. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. And we're back. Dr. Kornblath, how do the electrophysiology studies, that is the EMG nerve conduction tests, show that someone has CIDP? The studies, if done well, will show that there is usually conduction abnormalities indicative of a problem with the myelin. These can be that the so-called distal latencies and F-wave latencies are prolonged and that the velocities of the speed of conduction, the velocity of motor and sensory fibers can be reduced. The difficulty is that a number of other processes can also do the same thing, the most common of which is, for example, diabetes. Can other conditions like HIV or lupus mimic the symptoms of CIDP? There shouldn't be any diagnostic confusion between whether you have lupus or CIDP. It is rare, but it's known that you could have lupus and CIDP, but lupus itself shouldn't cause the nerve conduction abnormalities seen in CIDP. Are nerve biopsies important to perform, and what about MRIs? Now around the country, nerve biopsy is done much, much less frequently, um, and is really mostly done in um, difficult-to-diagnose cases. There are some people who think MRI can be helpful, but it's really a supportive criteria and doesn't really provide definitive diagnostic information. What are some of the early signs that somebody might be experiencing CIDP? Numbness and tingling, but it's frequently weakness, such as going up and down the stairs, getting out of a toilet seat, getting out of a chair, etc. If somebody has HIV or lupus, are they at higher risk of developing uh, CIDP? Probably not. When you look at large populations, there is not an increased risk in either of those two populations. Let's talk about the pain for a minute. Do patients typically describe burning or or knife-like sensations? That can be burning, it can be stabbing, it can be shooting. Um, Those are the more typical descriptions that patients will use of their neuropathic pain, which again is usually located distally and in the lower limbs. How about the hands or the arms? Well, it can be in the hands, but it's very rare that it goes you know, all over the body. That would make me think of another disorder. Uh, Dr. Kornblath, how serious can CIDP get? You can have CIDP and be in a wheelchair. You have CIDP and be on a ventilator. It can be that severe. Is CIDP more readily treatable the earlier a correct diagnosis is made? If we can get to somebody and treat them within 12 months of the onset of their symptoms, we'll do better and they'll do better with treatment than people who have the disease for a longer period of time before treatment. And let's delve into the treatments. Which are the most beneficial for this condition? For your listeners, the Cochrane reviews are available online, so anyone who had CIDP could look up CIDP in the Cochrane reviews. So there are three treatments that would be considered first line. Those are intravenous immunoglobulin, 
prednisone, and plasma exchange. So intravenous immunoglobulin is a product that's an extraction of immunoglobulin from blood donors and then reinfused into people and it alters the immune system, but somewhere between 70 to 80% of people with CIDP will improve substantially with IVIG. The number of people who will improve is between 70 to 80, 85% from IVIG, from prednisone taken by mouth or by plasma exchange. Because the plasma exchange is a procedure like dialysis, where you have to go to the hospital and have your blood washed, if you will, um, that's really used much less than the other two treatments. In most parts of the world, IVIG is used as the first treatment. If somebody comes in a wheelchair, somebody is bed-bound, then in fact will frequently use plasma exchange because it works extremely fast. If someone has used one of these treatments, like IVIG, how likely is it that they will need to go on to use one of the other two? Yeah, I, I think it's probably about 20 to 40% or so might require a second treatment. I think we're learning that more and more people can be treated with one of these agents alone, and that if it's done well, you can then taper that agent uh, very slowly over time, and the disease hopefully doesn't come back. That's really encouraging. Dr. Kornblath, what are some of the promising treatments for CIDP that are on the horizon? The main parts of the new research have to do with either using IVIG in novel ways, particularly looking at different dosing. You wouldn't go and get an infusion through your veins, but you'd give the material under the skin, a subcutaneous infusion. And then there are a few new drugs that are being found, which are being investigated for people who have relatively severe CIDP. And finally, for anybody with chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, or CIDP, is there hope? Oh, I think there's very good hope. The GBS CIDP Foundation International has now developed a series of uh, centers of excellence, which you can go to their website and find one of them, and these are centers that have been vetted by the organization and uh, are filled with people who are experienced in treating CIDP, who have published on it and are expert. And so the organization, and which I'm now a board member, has tried to suggest to people, get to a center, get your diagnosis clarified, and get on a treatment plan with an expert. Great information. Dr. Kornblath, thank you so much for joining us today on Aches and Gains. Thank you very much. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Pentec Health, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Here we have a question from Shirley in Washington, D.C., It seems like health insurance protocols make it tougher and tougher to gain timely access to medications in general, but particularly to medication for chronic pain. Can you talk about the impact of delayed treatment on seniors living with conditions like arthritis and osteoporosis? Are the challenges of delayed treatment more acute among those populations? Shirley, I think access to timely pain treatment is important for all ages, especially older adults, because the risk of developing persistent pain is higher the longer the pain remains untreated. 
Insurance protocols, knowledge deficits, transportation challenges, and communication problems among older adults all contribute to delayed treatment and should be the focus of improvement in the delivery of pain care to this population. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulcristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. That's paulcristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.